Are you ready for Super Idols RPG? Super Idols. A rotating cast of today's hottest up-and-coming tabletop players in one all-new power-packed podcast. Super Idols. Move into a new dimension with the year's biggest pop music-themed, magical girl-inspired masks campaign. Super Idols. Now you can have all your favorite nerdy roleplay in a funny, sincere, diverse, character-driven package. Super Idols. Meet soon-to-be chart-topping idols like Violence Violet, Bane Raven, Symphoria, Elementum, Queen Bee, Warcry, and Karen. Karen. Super Idols RPG, the internet's premier narrative play podcast about super-powered teen idols. Call the number on your screen now to order Super Idols RPG on CD or cassette, or stream it wherever podcasts are sold. Must be 13 years or older to listen because we do sometimes say Please do not actually try to order a CD or cassette from us. That's just part of the parody. Please send a self-addressed stamped envelope to yourself because you deserve something nice in the mail today. And seriously, come listen to Super Idols RPG. It's pretty cool and it's a fun show and we think you'll like it. Visit superidolsrpg.castos.com for more details. No one knows where it began and no one knows when it will end. But every single being in this room knows lore. War is chaos, but in their hands, it's more. They attack with cold and methodical precision, as though they mean every death, every scar, and every orphaned child. They are not fighting to survive as we are. They are fighting for the win, for glory, for balance. Seeing the atrocities of the balances indirectly through the imaginings of words, can never pale in comparison to seeing them firsthand. The experience could be likened to an unfeeling, to non-existence. Perhaps, in the shadows of our enemies, you seem insignificant and, if it were up to them, you would be. However, I am here to say, you are not. The balances strive only to kill you and step over you to the next one in line. With you in their path, they are one step further from the next. One step further from your friend. One step further from your family. You are the most important piece in this fight. And joining is the right thing to do. Welcome to another Control Group Preview. This one is presented by Awfully Queer Heroes. Now, if you want to be a part of the Control Group previews, you can go to our Patreon. We have a tier specifically for indie dev designers that want us to test their games, but don't want to wait the months it takes for us to produce a show, which is completely understandable, but you can support us, and we can support you. So today, so today, we're looking at the Tower of the Soul, presented by Awfully Queer Heroes, as I had mentioned before. So the little intro, once again, taken straight from the playtest that we were given. I love this shit. Keep on... I'll, I'll start doing this for free if you guys just want me to do ad reads um, from the the lore you put in your, your playtests. Uh, super fun. Really great. So we're in the realm uh, we're not used to playing around here at Control Group. Uh, we're in we're in that infamous D20 system. We're, we're working in the realm of D&D, people. The dungeons and the dragons are here. 
we have our own personal qualms while we stay away from that particular game and want to highlight others, but, you know, you pay us, we'll sell out. That's how it goes, so... Today we're looking at the Tower of the Soul, which is a module that has some addendums to uh, the Tower of the Soul, just kind of giving some validity to some homebrew mechanics when it comes to D&D. For those unfamiliar, as you might be if you just listen to our show, you might not know there are other other TTRPGs out there, like Dungeons and Dragons, you know? which is a d20 system uh, for most of it, and then it uses all the rest of the, the decahedrals when it comes on to playing the game. But we're we're in the real moduled world. A lot of people might not know that there is actual canonical lore to Dungeons & Dragons that you can plan, because a lot of us podcasters go like, yeah, fuck that shit, and do our own <laughs> homebrew stuff. So we're here at the Tower of Soul. What I was thinking about I, we will use this system eventually, and I know you're you're grasping your your pearls. Like, wow, why why would why would Dennis ever want to go to the world of D and D? And it's not something I shy away from, but I do have plans for. So it will be some time before we get to this D and D system, but we will definitely be using it, and I'll get more into depth about that later. So the first thing we want to focus on is we have some new rules for recovering HP while you're in the Tower of the Soul. In this campaign, a Knight of Rest does not fully recover your party's HP, nor does it auto-heal horrifying injuries. Instead, what you're given to you is a table that helps you determine how much HP you regain. And it seems to be like the further away you are from the, the tower, the better the healing is. So we have sections like outside locations, like outside the towers, the dungeons, and any of its ruins. Uh, these are free, and you only get about 5% of your total hit points back. Which, man, don't you love when there's more math involved with D&D? Uh, the, the best place in this section when you're getting eight hours of rest is called the Reketh Pillar, um, where you have to spend 10 gold per night, and then you'll get 90% of your hit points back, which I think is fun. It keeps it spicy. This, as we'll get into it, this module reminds me a lot of the, what is it? I think it's first edition or second edition, like Tomb of Horrors, that, that classic Gary Gygax module that's hard as all fuck. And I like that. I, I like the little spice to it. I, I don't believe, as a DM back when I was playing D&D, that there needs to be stakes, there needs to be challenges to this hero. You don't get to level 20 without someone biffing it, you know, or taking grievous injury. So I like this. If you want to heal up, you, got, you gotta leave. You gotta go somewhere else. You've gotta get the fuck out of this tower. It's bad. Significant injuries when healing a significant injury, such as like a lava burn or acid to a body part. Pin cushion with arrows, the healing rate will be lowered by 50% until the character's back to 100%. So just giving some more, more hardcore. Yeah, this is like, you know, in Call of Duty, you could do hardcore mode where the, you, you take less damage before dying, then you, you don't heal, auto heal. This is what it's like. This is the hardcore mode of D&D, and that's what I'm really liking about it. So you're getting to the Tower of the Soul, and it's this huge task to take on. It's going to be very hard. You're going to need a little bit of help. You know, you and your your four to 
six PCs might not be able to handle it. So there's also mechanics for hiring mercenaries. If you're struggling with a particular floor or quest, hiring one of the Feng's mercenaries to lend a hand could get you out of a sticky situation. So it depends on... When it comes to mercenaries, how much you're willing to pay, of course. You can get a mercenary for less gold, but they're going to be a lower level. The town actually is level capped to level 10, uh, so the highest mercenary level you could get is a level 9 character called Zane Kulhar. And then we have descriptions of the town itself. This is your basic module, you know? You can you can pick these up at your at your bookstore, your your dice store, wherever you get your your nerdery. So we have the town of Zago. This town, as I mentioned before, is for levels 1 through 10. Adventurers of a higher level wouldn't find much of an interest cuz you're you're doing much more than that. I think a lot of people are unaware that there's actually like a a tier system to leveling in Dungeons and Dragons, that at like level 6 you guys become local heroes, by 10 you are basically superheroes, and then if your character ever reaches level 20, you're, you're god status. This is this is an amazing feat, you know, a bard at level 20 getting wish is too much, you know? But Zago is made of wood, a characteristic of goblin villages. The walls surrounding most of the settlement are crude and ill-shaped, serving more as a remnant of the past militaristic way of life than a protection from the environment. There are a few watchtowers scattered around the perimeter, under the protection of our militant kind of mercenary group, the Fangs, and a physical protection of Mount Vera are the only ways the town defends itself from monsters of the desolate environment. There are three districts to Zago. There's the Old Town, where the Shants are located, the Mudlin, which consists of most of Zago, and the Short Ring District, which is where the Fangs are located. And then we've got various buildings throughout and landmarks you should know surrounding the Tower of the Soul, along with notable characters such as Snagra, the Merchant Lord, who's a male half-orc known for his cunning and guile. We've got Gashak Breakbone, the Fangs leader. I love love naming characters. A female Goliath, battle-hardened and always ready to test her skills in Giant Sword. She is one of the most skilled individuals in Zago, a fact that she doesn't let anyone forget. She controls the streets and is a lawkeeper of this chaotic place. And then in it for a little bit, we get descriptions of places you can go in the town at the DM's discretion, or let your party lead you around, but there's multiple NPCs you can interact with, multiple storefronts, before you get to this intimidating tower of the soul. We have a bit as well concerning towards the end game of the tower, which we will get to the tower. There's really big mechanics about the tower later in this episode, but... We get a little tidbit that right before uh, you get towards the end of the the tower itself, there is an NPC that will reoccur that kind of makes it keen that one of your players must merge with an elemental itself, which is dope as fuck. And we have a little table of all the possible elementals you can merge with and exactly what happens there. For example, we have acid, lightning, poison, fire, ice, night, demonic, gorgon, and steam. All of these come with a perk, usually a resistance to that specific elemental. And then also getting a 1d8 every other character level. But then here we go into the meat of it, the tower 
itself, which is all based on tables. You've got a table to begin with that's a 1d6. The 1d6 kind of determines which of the six things that can happen in any given room you enter into the Tower of the Soul. So if you roll a 1, that's a trap. If you roll a 2, that's a magic effect and battle. If you roll a 3, just a regular battle. If you roll a 4, it's a riddle. So rolling a 4, the hardest possible room, I would say, given <laughs> your average D&D group. If you roll a 5, there's trap and magic effect. Number 6, that's a trap and a battle. Really rough. There are also a table for traps. You can roll a d4 against that, whether they're a ceiling, wall, floor, or statue trap. So I'm going to go through... And instead of listing out all the possible traps, I do have a d20 here uh, that I use for Adventure Champs, uh, one of our sister podcasts. You can check them out at Adventure Champ 1, underscores in between each word. And I'm going to roll that. So first up is a ceiling trap. Let's see which ceiling trap. We're an adventuring party. I forget. we got to put some lore in that. You, who is listening, are an adventuring party with me. We can, um... We can imagine some NPCs together. I think we got a, a cute little cat boy wizard with us, and um, maybe like a, a big, strong, rotund barbarian. And then we hired a mercenary back there. We thought, we, we might not be able to handle this together, this Tower of the Soul. So let's see what our first ceiling trap we have to deal with is. I rolled a 17. We enter this room and a hole opens in each high corner of the ceiling and releases a thick purple fog that coalesces around the floor, which slowly fills and rises. We then make a DC 16 constitution, constitution saving throw, or take 1d6 damage if you end your turn in the fog. Damn. I deal with that purple haze, that dank. Let's see, for a wall trap, rolling again. I got a seven. When triggered, a dark cloud is dispersed from a hole in the wall, covering the area in magical darkness. Hmm. That one's fun. Something to play around with there. A lot left open to interpretation. And then we have a floor trap. Ten. When triggered, a 30 feet area shuts and traps and begins to heat up. The first turn, everyone takes 1d fire damage, and that increases by 1d6 each consecutive turn until escape. Oof, holy shit, that's a strong uh, trap to deal with. Hopefully you uh, incur this trap after you've already merged with the fire elemental towards the end. That'd be dope. Then you'd be resistant to fire damage. And then uh, finally, I believe we have a statue trap, which is unique and I'm very interested in. So let's see which statue trap we get. A two. Uh, the Children of Euphoria is the name of the statue, a bronze floating statue. The statue depicts a small child suspended 10 to 15 feet above a column of purple liquid being poured from a vase they're holding. They are held in expression of laughter and joy. Standing in the strange liquid restores d4 hit points to create a good alignment. Nothing to neutral, but d4 acid damage to evil alignment. Okay. You can uh, do these effects once per day. However, the damage repeats per minute. That's very funny. It's the old, old classic vampire stepping into a church, you know? 
not being able to handle the, the good holiness. Alright, so those are our, the 1d4 of traps we could do. Now we have our magic effects. So let's see, we enter a room, we rolled magic effect on the d6 at the very beginning. Let's see what happens. We got a 14. All coins not carried on a magical container, such as a bag of holding, become more valuable. I.e., or actually E.G., copper becomes silver, and etc., with platinum coins becoming gems. Wow, that's awesome. You, you get into, We rolled this room and got rich real quick. That's great. Uh, we also have... It looks like we rolled D10s for battles. And they're all split up uh, by level section. So characters 1 through 5, and 6 through 10, 15 and iron, 16 and 20 also get different battles. Um, I'm going to say our adventuring party, you and me, the listener... And our, our cat boy wizard and thick barbarian are going to... We're going to be a level 6 through 10, so let's see. We got a 5. We will be facing off against a nimble, right? That's a creature rating of 4, just so we know. And for level 6 through 10, we'll say we're level 6, right there on the dot. We're dealing with 3 of them. 3 of these nimble rights. We got the riddle table. I'm so excited for this. So... We'll go through this encounter together, because I think I'm good at riddles. I have not read these beforehand. Let's see how fast. And I will not edit any of the time in between me trying to figure out this riddle. Alright? This is the God's honest truth of how fast I can figure out this riddle. And you'd think, you know, we'd leave, leave it to our Catboy Wizard. He's got a high end score. No. I'm metagaming here. I rolled a three. Here comes our riddle. The more you take, the more you leave behind. Now I'll give you a second, actually, listener, because I already know this one. I am I'm a DM myself. I've I've been around grade school riddles before, so I'll give you I'll give you a, a little quiet second to yourself and you think about it. Their footsteps. Footsteps is the answer to that one. Let me confirm. The solution is footsteps. Oh man, I'm so confident. I'm gonna roll another riddle. We step into another room. An eight. What starts with E, ends with E, and contains only one letter. I, once again, do know this one already, so let's go. You've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you bardic inspiration. I'm a bard. How about that? You can be whatever class you want to be. I'm a bard. Did you figure it out? Starts with E, ends with E, contains only one letter? It's an envelope. Alright. Rule of threes. We're going to do one more here got a 12. There was a greenhouse. Inside the greenhouse, there was a white house. Inside the white house, there was a red house. Inside the red house, there was little black babies. What am I? Come on, you got this. This one's a very silly one. I have heard it before. I believe the answer is watermelon. And I was correct. I checked the answer. That's fun. I like I like the riddles. I wish the Tower of the Soul was just riddles. I think that would be the hardest D&D module. The Tower of Riddles. Fuck, that might be what we use this for. I had an idea beforehand that we would just play this straight for an April Fool's episode, where we, we just drop a really long D&D episode. That's, that's funny. That's not what we do here. We do short PBTAs. But, god, it might have to be the Tower of Riddles now. 
Holy shit, that rocks. They've also have in this supplement of the Tower of the Soul actual mazes, like in the book themselves that you can just put out for your players and have them solve when it comes to the tower itself. And then you can also have rooms generated through the supplement themselves. You roll a, a d10 and you get a fun little scene setting for the room. So let me do that real quick. I got a six. So you enter a room. The room opens into a great expanse of massive luminescent mushrooms, towering over the landscape in its own enclosed canopy, a jungle of mushrooms. Peering above a thick caps reveals a bright blue sky and a noon sun blazing from high. However, this does not change no matter the time spent in this room. Exploring the region reveals it to be larger than any room previously visited with plant life that seems unnatural or alien collected and grown from many different ecosystems living in harmony in this habitat. Deeper inside lights a crystal clear river with a faint green tinge. It leads out into the mouth of a greater lake, sparking in full view of the sunlight. There are three entrances and exits. It's a one mile radius, this room. Uh, and they even have a purpose for each of the room to kind of let you know, like, what we're, what we're doing here. What's the, what's the plan here? And the purpose for this room is to do some alchemy, some discovery, and some nature. So give your, give your druid a chance to do shit, you know? <laughs> let your druids do more, alright? DMs out there? <laughs> we're on to, uh, the kitchen also has some generated rooms. Just keep doing this. I like this tower. Rolled a two. A cluster of low crates surrounded a barrel in the center of this chamber. Atop the barrel lies a stack of copper coins and two stacks of cards, one face up. Meanwhile, atop each crate rests a fan of five face-down playing cards. A thin layer of dust covering everything. Clearly. Someone meant to return to their game of cards. Ooh, creepy. Yeah, poker players. Uh, each of these pre-generated floors also comes with boss battles in there that you can use uh, pertaining to your levels. And then we have some random rooms for generation. Let's see what we get here. Got a six. The doors, floor, ceiling, and walls of this room are all mirror. Breaking a part of the mirror surface reveals small lockers all around the room. None of them are locked. They contain buttons, a couple of coins, needles, threads, tiny picture frames, non-magical rings and amulets, and all sort of other knickknacks. Okay. I like that. I feel like that's a fun thing you can turn around and have in your campaign. I feel like that leads into like a plotline of like mirror universes or mirror people. Where... When something goes missing, were you sure you put it somewhere? It was the mirror universe just taking it away. So we have all these pre-generated floors, additional boss battles. There are also, which I'm very excited about, alternative races you can play and be as in this specific module, the Tower of the Soul. Uh, you can you can stop playing a wood elf, people. You can you can stop doing it. You can stop playing a human too. And um, knowing our specific audience, you can you stop playing, stop playing a tiefling. You don't have to be a tiefling. 
You also uh, also don't have to be a Ganassi of any type. But in this playbook, you can play Incubi and Succubi, which I think fucking rocks. If you've listened to uh, Return to Lake Mary, you know, I really enjoy the concept of these imps. Sexy imps that just want sex power. I think that's really fun. Um, I think it you could really, you know, really notch up your horny bard here. In a way where, like, you want to fuck everything to now you need to fuck everything. There's also darkness demons, um, if you really want to amp up your, your edgelord ability in your party. There are also the Irinus. Irin, yes. Uh, the Irin, yes, are actually forces spawned by the gods to dispatch vengeance onto mortal men. So, like, angry angels, as if Asimars weren't, like, hot enough. You've got warrior angels here. There's also the Ulfur, which were once regular wolves that slipped through the rift into the plane of chaos. Over the century, their bodies were altered into strange and twisted magics of the land. Now they walk upright and have familiar skills. You can be a fucking furry in this module. That rocks. <laughs> Uh, the rest of the system just kind of details stat blocks for your mercenaries. So yeah, I really enjoyed looking over Awfully Queer Heroes. Yeah, so I really enjoyed looking over Awfully Queer Heroes Module 4, The Tower of the Soul. And as I mentioned at the end of these, we kind of get into how we will use them in the future for an actual test and like I had mentioned before, I was going to do this as an April Fool's joke, um, but you heard it, heard it here first. I will be adapting the Tower of the Soul into the Tower of the Riddles. That's going to be a full-ass game of D&D where it's nothing but riddles. I won't even, I might not even have an entire battle encounter. You know, the thing the system was designed for. But thank you so much for listening. There is a Kickstarter for Tower of the Soul. I do not want to forget to plug the people who actually sent us the system, but Awfully Queer Heroes, something we love here at Control Group Pod and everyone at the Be Gay Roll Dice Network. But we can find the Kickstarter for the Tower of the Soul, which should be ending roughly soon. Yeah, you could just find them on Kickstarter under Awfully Queer Heroes, and they've got three active Kickstarters right now. So we have a Battle Maps zine that they're a part of, the Hunt for Sunblade Tower, and the Sunblade subclasses, spells, and pantheon, which includes 65 subclasses, 56 spells, 8 races, 6 gods, and 3 feats. a full compendium to D&D that you can use, much like what they let me playtest here. Thanks for listening. Go check out Awfully Queer Heroes and get excited for the Tower of the Soul. And next year, get excited for the Tower of the riddles. <laughs> Good sleep, variables. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.